Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. You know what? I just wonder. We have a, a picture in Revelations chapters 4 and 5 of millions upon millions, countless, standing before the throne of God, and there's a praise going up to the Lamb of God that was slain, to Jesus Christ just think about it, how it will be when we stand before God Almighty. And I'll tell you, this time, uh, Revelations chapter 4, verse 1, chapters 2 and 3, the church is still on the planet. And then chapter 4, the very first verse says, and then a door was opened into heaven, and we see then all the saints together from chapters 3 to 4 is the catching up of the saints. Those that went before us, a new body given to them, and we will be raised in a twinkling of an eye to be caught up even after the saint, uh, those that have gone before us to be with the Lord. And uh, that moment of time, and who knows how long that praise and worship will be. But there will be, what a beautiful thing, even this morning as, as we had opportunity to exalt the Lord, what a beautiful thing as we come into the presence of Almighty God and as we begin to glorify Him for His faithfulness, His love, and His goodness in our lives. I just say thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. This, uh, this morning, just a reminder of our focus for the year. Our focus for the year is to increase in faith, hope and love through our Lord Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ our Lord. That there would be an increase of faith within us, that it would be become stronger and stronger in who Jesus Christ is. That that hope that we have, Christ in us, the hope of glory, would be solid. Without hope, people perish. I don't know, I, don't, I just cannot fathom what it would be like to live without faith in Jesus Christ, to ha without having Jesus in my life. I don't know how people can do it. I understand fully why people would be overwhelmed and overcome and, and anxious and fearful and paralyzed and, and in distress and depression. I understand without Christ. But with Christ, we have a hope in the worst of times. And we have life in him. His love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That we would love him. And that we would love him more and more each and every day. And that there would be a love extended not just vertically but horizontally to those that are in, in and around us. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to start from 25. And you know this this. Uh, passage. You know it. If you don't, listen up. It's a, a beautiful passage of, of the love of the Lord Jesus in our lives and the love that we should have for others as well. Hallelujah. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do? There's, this was a test. Just testing him. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? 
What do you take of the, from the Old Testament and from the law? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? To love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who, who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, someone else that worked in the temple, when he arrived at, that, at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. So the priest didn't even look. The Levite looked and uh, continued on. I just want to say this. You know what? There's been times where I've walked past. Don't want to look. Ah, don't want to look. Just keep moving. But a certain Samaritan, you just need to realize the Samaritans were half-breeds, if you would. They weren't pure Jews. They had mix, a mixing of the blood. And so the Jews looked at them as those that were, ah, they're not, they're not of us. They're not pure. Samaritan. We have, for the most part, when we, we say, hey, a good Samaritan, there's a good view of a good Samaritan. But back then, the Samaritans were shunned. They weren't pure. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii. Like we're talking, a denarii was one day's wage. So two, two days' wages. Gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend... When I come again, I will repay you. So whatever it takes, I'll cover it. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Jesus asked the lawyer, and he said, He who showed mercy on him. So the neighbor, the neighbor is the one we show mercy on and the one that would show mercy as well not only to be to receive the mercy and the grace but also to give it today I just title this this message give 
give. Jesus said to the lawyer, go and do likewise. Give. That's a, it's a, it is a four-letter word. Sometimes it's like, hmm, to give? Our neighbor is not just the one who is in close proximity to us, but is so often the one who is in need that we would make the one that we know of that is in need our neighbor. Sometimes we just say, well, our, our neighbor is the one that is next door to us, is our neighbor. I have neighbors. You have neighbors. But it's the one that would be in need. We would show compassion to those in need. So often, we tend to look away. We tend to walk past to go around. Or we might glance quick, but we move on. Now, it's interesting, this, per, this passage, the question at the very front or at the top is, what must I do? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord or the, Jesus says to the, to the lawyer, this man who's testing him, hey, what do the scriptures say? And he says from scripture, and he answered correctly. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Your strength and your mind. To love the Lord and your neighbor as yourself. There is something that happens to us the moment that we recognize our condition. As we recognize the fact that we are lost. We are, are sinking we are, are in sin. There is nothing about us that we could say, well, you know what? I am good enough to come into the presence of God. I am, I am righteous enough to come into the presence of God. We may deceive ourselves to think that we can, but we cannot come into the presence of God as righteous as we could possibly be. We are just, in all our righteousness, is like filthy rags before God Almighty. And hit before his holiness. There's a change that took place as we placed our faith in Jesus Christ. There were changes that took place that we would recognize his sacrifice and, and that there would be a love that would begin to, to go up to the Lord. In fact, the, one of the very first things that happened when you gave your life to Jesus Christ was that there was a love for God. There's a recognition of his extreme love for you. And it was reciprocated in loving him back. In Revelation chapter 2, the, the first church that's mentioned, it says, Jesus said to that church in Ephesus, he says, you've lost your first love. You've fallen. Your faith was in me, but your, your love is no longer there. It's, you're going through the motions. That you would place your faith back in on me and recognize what I did. And you have salvation. We have life because of his love for us. Hallelujah. There should be a change. And there is a change of relationship with God. God is no longer God, the judge that will judge us, but is God, our Father, as we received Jesus Christ. The moment we received Jesus into our lives,
we became a child of God. We need to receive Christ. Those that don't know Christ need to receive him to become children of God so that the relationship between God and them turns from judge to father. There would be a, a heavenly father. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. In John 14, verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. The ultimate commandment that Jesus gave and God gives to us is in John 3.16 where he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, to have eternal life. That command to believe on Jesus Christ gives us eternal life. This is the, the most important thing that we can grab a hold of and continue to hang on and never let go is faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us. For God so loved the world that he gave. To give. The Father gave his Son. Listen. This, this passage about the Samaritan, there was sacrifice that was necessary. We don't know where the Samaritan was going. I'll tell you right now, if, if, if I'm on a, I've got certain things to do, it's like I don't want to be distracted from what I need to get done. And so if there's uh, something else that comes up, well, I'm not going to deal with it or I'm not going to, I'm just passing by because I've got things to do. Maybe that's exactly what the priest was saying. You know what? I cannot deal with this because I've got things to do. Didn't even look. Kept going. I've got to be at a certain place at a certain time doing certain things. This is going to cost. Listen, to give is about sacrifice. There is a sacrifice in giving. I'll tell you what an ultimate sacrifice that the Father gave His Son. We're not just talking for a short period of time. We are talking for 33 and a half years that Jesus walked on this planet and was confined to a human body and even to the things of growth and development. From a few cells, single cell to few cells, and even the development within the womb to grow, to be born. It says that he grew in stature and maturity and in favor of, of man and God. There was development in Jesus Christ. But we're talking, what a sacrifice. The God that was of the entire universe, that made the universe, that, that spoke things into existence, Jesus was there. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit were there at the very beginning of the creation of our universe. And here now is confined within the universe, on a planet, within a human body, fully God and fully human, for one reason to sacrifice of his life ultimately on the cross.
so we can have life. Take care of our sins. When it comes to giving, the Lord God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit gave. There's a sacrifice that this good Samaritan, this, this man, and I'm almost thinking, That this was an actual, this was not just a parable. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This was an actual incident. Would have happened, could have happened. It would seem like, like we, my initial thought was, well, this is a parable, an illustration. Probably, this actually happened. The Samaritan sacrificed of his time, switching his agenda, switching his, his, his day to say, you know what, I'm, I'm putting that aside now, and I need to help here. He sacrificed of his Finances, not just his time, but his finances. Who knows if he was losing by not going to work that day. Not only did he pay out for somebody else for at least two days, and then whatever it took for this person to recoup, plus that day of, of, of not working. You know what? May I say this? There are times when it comes to giving, to give, it may cost us financially. I just want you to know that we would not just say, well, that we would not just hang on to our finances so tightly that we are unwilling to help those that are in need. Say, Pastor, you have no idea how, how tight it is. I recognize, yeah, sometimes there's a big sacrifice involved in helping others. There's a sacrifice of, of not only time and finance, there's a sacrifice of effort. It takes effort. Just a simple thing of, of putting this man what was it, a donkey? It doesn't say what it is, but he set him on his own animal. Just to, to lift up, if this man was almost dead, half, almost dead, half dead, to even lift him up, not only just, I, he bound up his, his wounds and, and before it, there was a cleaning that took place, of the wound and a, a putting on of ointment so that there would be uh, uh, an oil to, to bring healing. And he bound him up. Man was stripped of his clothing. I don't know, maybe he gave of his own clothing to cover him up and he lifted him up and he put him on his animal, whatever it was. Dead weight. Who knows the struggle? 
listen, the, the effort, sometimes it's, it's not a physical effort. Sometimes it's, it's the enduring. When, we, when we, are, we set out to help others. Listen. There's times where people may take you for a ride. There's times where they won't, may not appreciate your, your help of them. There's no mention of this. The Samaritan didn't say, you know what? You need to pay me back. You owe me. There's nothing mentioned in there of payback. I'm giving of myself. Truly, as we give of ourselves, it is a sacrifice of love. We love someone else to give of ourselves to them. In it, we're saying, hey, you know what? I do care about you, and I do love you. I had a situation just happen this past week. Someone that helped years ago sent me a text. I can't follow Jesus. God is a liar. I don't have life in him. And I guess I would say to you, you're a liar too for presenting Christ to me. My first immediate reaction was to make a whole list of things to, to defend to get back. I just answered, I said, in a short, very brief, I just said, you know what? I saw that there was a point in the time, even the last text that you sent me, you were in a good place. I would want for you to be in that place. We all make the decisions. We all make our own decisions regarding eternity. I'm going to continue to pray for you. I love you. You know what the amazing thing is? When we, the way we respond, the way we treat others, to give of ourselves, it took about three or four days before I got a text back and and it was a thing of perhaps pride that would say, I was a little bit harsh on you the last time. But there was a reconnecting to the point to say, hey, listen, I care about you. I love you. And I want to help you. I want to help you in the situation that you're in. There's a with a, just a few texts back and forth, the thing of, yeah, I need help. I need help. Can you help? This is not something, this person does not go to our church. It's not a member in the church. We need to give of ourselves, and it will be a sacrifice. When we give, it is a sacrifice.
You might say, Pastor, I struggle. I struggle in my response. I struggle. Listen, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. It was about two weeks ago or so, week and a half, two weeks ago. Julie and I went out late at night for a, just a quick bite to eat. There was a man, I don't know what condition he was in, but it was probably a, a mental health situation or whatever. I was like, I don't have time for this. I know sometimes people are very, very bold. I don't know what the man wanted me have mental health. I don't know. What did he need? I don't know. Was attempting to get my, my attention, and it was, no, I don't want to look. When I did look, as soon as I looked, there was this thing of, of hey, without a word being spoken, can you help? Was the, the body language. And what I did, I just, I just went like this, just a little, I'll tell you, Lord, I need help. I need help. We need help to respond. I need help to respond. I'll tell you, in my flesh, I don't have time. I don't want to sacrifice. I need help from the Lord to love others. And I, I tell you, sometimes it is so hard because they're so contrary or they're so needy. I don't have time. It's too much of a sacrifice. John 14, verse 15, I read it already. I believe I read it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now listen. Lord, how can, we, how can we keep your commandments? Verse 16, because we stop oftentimes at verse 15. It says, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with, with you and will be in you. He will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. You will have the help of the Holy Spirit to do things that you cannot do in your own strength. Listen, I've said this to people before. If it wasn't for Jesus, I would not have the time of day for you. I wouldn't, take, I wouldn't spend time with you. If it wasn't for Jesus, it is Jesus that has changed us. It's his spirit that helps us. And I'll tell you right now, as a pastor, <laughs> over the years, I've come across some pretty needy people. And there are some people that even have rubbed me the wrong way. You ever have somebody rub you the wrong way? I think we all, we've all been there. But to be able to just, Lord, by your spirit that I would love. You know what the beautiful thing is in Galatians 3? And this is, you know I say this often. The Holy Spirit comes only through what our faith is in. That it would be in Jesus Christ and him crucified. The Holy Spirit comes through that and, and Paul wrote of that again and again and again, different things. But what is your faith in? Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you 
Galatians 3, verse 1, that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. That's, that's how you got saved. The truth of Jesus Christ and him crucified was portrayed to you. This only I want to learn from you. I want to know, did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law? By you doing all the right things? Or was it by the hearing of faith? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you heard and you responded by faith. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? You've got new life by the Holy Spirit. Are you now being perfected by your own effort? You doing what you got to do? And what have to do? Are you so foolish? Or have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Now verse 5. Therefore... He who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It's a rhetorical question. It's not by anything that we can do. It's not even by anything that we can do in keeping the law and doing all the right things. The Holy Spirit does not come that way. The Holy Spirit comes by the hearing of faith. And what? What? Jesus Christ and him crucified. That message, and we respond to that message, Jesus Christ being clearly portrayed among you as crucified. In a few moments, we're going to take communion. It is all about, he says, do this in remembrance of me, my body that was broken, my blood shed for you, that you can have life. You have life in it. You have forgiveness. You have everything in it. And through it, what I did for you as your faith is in me, something that happened 2,000 years ago. And the Holy Spirit works through that. The Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit comes through just our faith in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The sacrifice of the Father was His Son. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, the, the ultimate sacrifice was Him going to the cross and dying for us so we can have life. And it was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus to the cross. It's the Holy Spirit that leads us to the cross that we could see Christ crucified and recognize that what he did for us on the cross gives us life. If you're here this morning and you don't know that, and you've been religious, listen, don't be religious. Religion can't save you. Doing the law can't save you. It is faith in Jesus Christ that saves us and gives us life and the power of the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, let me just start, first of all, on what he did for us. And the work that happened as we believed in Jesus Christ, the faith that we had in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. This is a condition we were in. We were the one that was not just half dead, but dead. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Listen. And you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were the man that was there. We needed a neighbor. We needed someone to stop. We needed someone to minister to us. You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world. Yes, you were alive physically and, and, and in the flesh and whatever, but dead because of even just one sin. We were dead in trespasses and sins. And we walked according to the course of this world, by the ways of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's Satan. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. 
the influence and the lies and the deceit of the enemy. And we are just following along because that's what we knew. And we thought that we were heading in the right direction. It doesn't matter. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, that the wrath of God, the judgment of God, would be against us and is against us. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. We don't deserve it. We, don't, we deserve to be apart from God, and yet, by grace, we were saved. Hallelujah. And he raised us up together, and he made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We were lifted up, we were made alive, and we sit together with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have relationship with him, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Oh, this is just the beginning. Listen, folks, if you've given your life to Jesus, it's, it's just the beginning. We still have all eternity ahead of us. In fact, before the things of eternity would even begin to take place, we still have a thousand years, seven years with him in heaven and another thousand years on this earth, even before we get to the great white throne judgment. And after that, as his children, we will be with him for all eternity. I, I can't wait. It's just the beginning. He saved us and he's raised us up that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Let your faith be in nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified, his body and his blood broken and shed for us. I say thank you, Jesus. For by grace, you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it's nothing that we can do, but it is by faith in what he did. And he's saying, oh man, I have something that is particular to you to fulfill. We are his workmanship. workmanship. You are his workmanship. When you gave your life to the Lord Jesus, you were created in Christ Jesus for good works, good steps, a good future and life in and through him, which God be before, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, that we should live in the things that the Lord has for us. Lord, that I would give myself to you. That I would give myself to you. All of this possible by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit a result of his sacrifice, a result of his giving, a result of our receiving. We grabbed a hold of it. Man, we have life. Praise God. He forgave us our sins. He bound up our wounds. He healed us and, and gave us life. And he's risen or he's raised us up because God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. And he gives, Lord, that we would be like you to give. The beautiful thing is the Holy Spirit. Not only is there a work of, of change and of new life that comes in us as we believe in Jesus Christ, but even as we would begin to grow and keep our faith, keep your faith daily 
in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Listen. Things that you can't do or you can't love that the Holy Spirit would do a work in and through you. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking the Holy Spirit, not your spirit, but the Holy Spirit is love to love, to love God, to love others. Joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, to have patience, kindness, to be kind to others, to be good, goodness, to be good to others, to faithfulness to the Lord, and even at times to your brothers and sisters, to be faithful, submit one to another, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ, and this is why I say to remember daily where you receive life, and that your faith would remain in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. He made you alive in His Spirit by faith, and that you would also walk each and every day by faith in Jesus Christ and Him crucified, not in your own strength, not in your own goodness, but in who He is and what He did for us. And the Holy Spirit is made available to us daily to get through every one of your situations, even to those that you say, man, I don't want to look. I'll just keep walking past where we can look and say, you know what? I need to do something here. I need to give of myself. I need to make that sacrifice because the Lord gave me or gave his life for me. The beautiful thing is even beyond the Holy Spirit that is within us, that is working in us. Listen, you want the fruit of the Spirit to grow and to be changed into the image of Jesus Christ more and more each day by faith and by surrender to Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ and Him crucified and a surrender to His Lordship. Not my will, your will be done. Just like Jesus said to the Father, not my will, your be will, will be done. Even if this cup could pass from me, the suffering that I have to go through, Father, if this cup could pass from me, I know what's coming. I know the sacrifice I have to, to make. But then he said, not my will, your will be done. Lord, let that be in our lives. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, the ultimate thing that the unbeliever needs is to hear about Jesus. To hear about Jesus and what Jesus did for them to take care of their eternity, to take of their, care of their life now and of eternity, that they would be saved by the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ our Lord. If I could call the worship team to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us start to give to those that are around us, whether it's within the, the body of Christ, that we would love one another, but especially those that don't know Jesus, that we would begin to love them and give of ourselves a sacrifice of time. And even if it may cost finances, that we say, you know what, I can help out. This is where I can help out. Can I just suggest something to you? I like what this, the Good Samaritan did. I, I just want to say to you, very rarely do I give money to, to people that are struggling. I don't give money. I'll give them, one of the things that the church does is give gift cards or food directly. Now, I recognize people can trade out a gift card or whatever. To give them food. He took care of 
not giving the individual money to, to be robbed again or to use the money fo foolishly, but rather to take care of the needs that they had. You take care of the needs. So the church uh, is helping uh, varying people. We do not give anybody money. There's times where we, we help out, like I say, with food or with gifts and uh, gift cards for fuel. Uh, or, or sometimes as they are in desperate need to, to help out with uh, rent or whatever. And you help out in this. This is why you give here into the church and we can help out. Let us start to sacrifice our time and our finances, our effort and our uh, sacrifice of love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Could we just stand together? Could you just play the song um, that you have? Actually, before you do, if you don't have your, your cup and your, the bread, uh, I think there's still some out in the foyer there. Or if you need, yeah, we can get some in for you if you don't have the emblems. But I want to just quickly go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 23. And this is Paul. Paul was not one of the original 12 disciples. He was not. He became a disciple of the Lord later. In fact, he was very against the things of the Lord and uh, those that followed him. But he came to Christ. And he, he writes, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And if we could just, if you have your, your emblems here, just take the, the, the wafer. And this, this morning, listen, before you take the emblems, if you are not saved... I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to give your life to Jesus. Because if we read through this passage, this is extremely serious. This is not to be taken lightly. So some, are, some are sick or have even died as a result of not taking the emblems or in the right way. As in, they, oh, who cares, whatever. And truly, if you take the emblems of, of his body and his blood shed for us, and you just take them. I don't believe in that. Listen, you will die. You are dead in trespasses and sins. There is nothing that can cleanse you before God. You are dead. So this is a serious thing. And I want you to recognize this morning, before you take anything, you do three things. One, confess. Yes, Lord, I am a sinner. Secondly, that you would confess and believe that Jesus Christ died for you and took all your sins upon yourself. And he died for you, even as his body and his blood was shed for you. His body broken and his blood shed for you so that you could have life. Believe it. Secondly, and thirdly, that you would receive Jesus Christ into your existence. That this would not be a one-time thing, but that there would be, Lord, I give my life to you because you gave your life for me that I can live for eternity. I can't wait till the trumpet sounds. 
The only thing that holds me back is, man, I want to see people saved before the Lord returns. And this morning, if there's anybody here, I'm just going to say a quick prayer. You can pray with me. Those that are believers, uh, pray for those that might not be a believer in this house or online. Let's pray together. Jesus, I was dead on the road in trespasses and sins. You didn't walk past me, but you stopped. You died for me, Jesus. I believe that you took my sins upon yourself. And you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness of sins. You have washed me clean by your blood. Even as I confess my sins, that I am a sinner, but I am washed clean by your blood. And I just give myself to you, a living sacrifice. Come into my life and be my Lord. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, if you've said that and you believe that, that your faith would not change from Jesus Christ and him crucified for your salvation, this is an emblem. He says, to do this in remembrance of me, you've taken this, this bread. Lord, we thank you for your body broken. Right now, we pray healing by your stripes. By that broken body, we have healing available to us physically, mentally, emotionally. Lord, in every regard, in relationships, Lord, we have healing. We thank you for that. Let it be right now. Let there be healing that would come in the body, in the mind, in the soul, in the emotions. In every area, even in our finances, Lord, I pray for healing to come right now in Jesus' name because of your body broken for us. Let's all partake of the bread. This is my body which is broken for you, even as we are eating. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember that I died for you, that you could have healing. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is a cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. You might say, what is the significance of the blood? Significance is this, to remember. This, this cup does nothing except to remind us of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross for us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. There is nothing that can take care of your sins, not even... You repenting, that's good. I, I'm not going to sin anymore. But the thing is, I've already sinned. The stain of sin is there. The only thing that takes the, away the stain of sin is the blood of Jesus Christ as we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. So we do this in remembrance of him, of his blood shed for us. It's a reminder Lord, my faith is in your shed blood for me to take care of my sins. 
Praise God. Let's all partake of the cup together. Hallelujah. We thank you this morning for your precious blood that was shed for us. We thank you for the life that we have in you. Lord, for as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And Lord, we proclaim your death until you come back. Lord, it is by your death that we have life. It is by your sacrifice. It is by your love because you gave of yourself, Lord, that we have life. We were the one that was on the ground. We were the one that was dying and dead. And you gave us life. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Let's give him praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.